Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and really I'm just here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That certainly means helping you improve your photographic skills and enabling you to become a stronger business owner, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We are sponsored by PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca Podcast episode and a brand new guest. Dre Brown is here with me. Dre, thanks so much for hanging out with us today and, and ultimately sharing your wisdom with us as well. Hey, uh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, getting, I guess, uh, to out to a different audience. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and just very briefly for everybody listening in, I had the opportunity to come across Dre's work and Tamaya Colvin's Facebook group, photography Facebook group for education community. For those of you who don't know who Tamaya is, uh, if you somehow missed that, uh, she hosts and created the cookout uh, conference that I've mentioned countless times here on the show. We've sponsored the conference and it's amazing. By the way, Dre, have you been at that conference? Did I somehow miss meeting you? No, I, I think I've been a member not even a year, I, I believe. Um, and I was looking forward to, to this one, yeah. but COVID. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's actually going to be in Chattanooga, my hometown, and I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Unfortunately, it looks like the, the numbers have dwindled quite a bit. I think there's maybe about 50 people attending at this point. It's going to be in October, but nonetheless, I hope at some point we can meet in person, but I came across Dre's work in that Facebook group and it was just absolutely stunning. And, and Dre, with your permission, I'd love to be able to post those images to the show notes um, for this particular podcast episode, because we're going to actually break those images down, how you approach the lighting. Okay. Yeah. Yes, of course. By, by all means. Okay, cool. And and we'll work out those details later on. But before we get to talking about your lighting technique, and more specifically, the way that you mix natural light or sunlight and strobe light, there are some questions that I usually ask the guests that come on the show. And I want to get into those first. The first one, and one of our most probably popular, if you will, or certainly the one that I ask the most, has to do with brand position. And for anybody listening in who's not familiar with the concept, very simply, we're talking about the value proposition, hopefully the unique value proposition uh, that one's business offers to the marketplace. So what is that for you, Dre? Um, for me, it is lighting first. Um, you know, people always ask, you know, how did I light it? Next would be, where did you find that location? And then my angles. Um, I try to take a unique approach. Just, I, you know, it's just kind of, I think like every photographer, it's what you see. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's typically kind of how I go into it. It's just that's just my unique perspective on, you know, what I think is is dope. Well, and you've got quite a fascinating perspective, too. For everybody listening in, um, you're going to want to go check out Dre's Instagram feed. And we'll, of course, post this or link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But it is D Brown 615 and then underscore photography. And uh, go check out Dre's work there because there's you talk about your your approach, your lighting technique, your angles, and there's such a wonderful variety there in your feed. I I really love it. Uh, thank thank you so much. I you know I think early on you I, I knew that I would I didn't want to get put in a box. Yeah, and you know so that was like 
really important. Um, you know, in the beginning, I didn't have the I didn't have the ability to necessarily, you know, reach out to different people. And, you know, sometimes people want to see, you know, what you've done instead of like what you want to do. Hmm. And, and that's, you know, so that's where I struggled in the beginning. And then, you know, once I put out some, some decent work at the time, you know, then you were able to, you know, like cross those, those lines. And, you know, so now it's, I, I'm able to show and, and work with like a lot of diverse people. So I think that's really cool. Well, and the work is quite diverse too. And again, quite impressive. I, I'm looking at your Instagram profile and it says your fashion, lifestyle, and portrait that feed represents that quite accurately. And then right underneath that, it says creatively creating. What do you mean by that? I think that I spend probably more time planning hmm. than, you know, than the, of course, than the actual shoot. Interesting. Um, so, you know, for me, especially now, especially when it comes to the, you know, I guess, you know, everybody's, you know, wanting to collab and, you know, do these TFP shoots. And for me, it's all about the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't, I don't shoot just to shoot. Like I'm, you know, I think in the beginning, you kind of, you, you're so excited. You've got a camera. And, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so you end up shooting a lot of stuff and a lot of it to me, I think, I learned really quickly, you know, I would do a shoot and it didn't, I wasn't, I was excited to do it. But then once I did it, I was like, "Uh, it's okay. You know? And I, so from there I was like, okay, I'm wasting a lot of time, um, you know, with shooting things that I don't necessarily like. And, you know, just one day I was like, Hey, it has to, it just has to make sense. And if I don't think it's awesome, then, honestly, then it's not a trade. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you're, you're winning because you're getting good photos, but for me, I'm not getting anything that I can use. So, you know, I just spend a lot more time, you know, now it's a couple of weeks, sometimes it's a month of, wow. of back and forth, you know, Hey, making sure the outfit is right. Yeah. And these, all these things are, you know, coming into place before I am like, yes, you know? <laughs> so, wow. so yeah. Okay. I, I do. Planning, planning is my thing. Huh. That's really interesting. What would you say? I mean, when you talk about planning, you, you mentioned the outfits, I would assume the location. Yes, um, are there it, uh, other specific elements of that planning process? Yes. So I'm, I'm in Nashville. Okay. And we're going through, I guess, kind of that, I guess the gentrification stage mm. where now everybody's living in the city, like downtown. And okay. so I would, you know, drive and see these unique spaces. And I would, at first I used to just find a space and then would shoot anything there. So then after you would do it, you're like, this doesn't really make sense for this space. You know, like the the concept, the outfit, it didn't make sense for the space. So what I, I had to learn, you know, and what I did was I had to make sure, and now I always make sure that every single part of it makes sense that like the outfit matches the location and vice versa the model matches the concept like i'm i think that's probably one of my unique gifts is i can look at a model's you know page and pictures and figure out what would work for them as well um so i think that's you know that's just my approach 
Well, and, and speaking of, that's actually a really great segue to my next question, because here I normally ask about customer experience and what you do as a photographer to create a really great customer experience. But I want to put a little bit of a twist on that, because um, even as I look at your Instagram feed here, there's actually a, a black and white photo of a model smiling kind of shot from a profile angle uh, that you mm-hmm. posted back on August 17th. For anybody who's curious, you can go take a look at this this photo. There is just this genuine emotion coming through her smile that I think is wonderful. Yes. Is there something in particular that you're doing, or I'm, I'm assuming a series of things probably, that you're doing to help create a really positive environment where the model feels comfortable enough to be able to express that kind of real emotion? I'm an ultimate people person. Mm. And, and, you know, I, but I'm really, I'm, I'm a big observer. So I, I tend to pay attention to everything how you're I, I tell ladies all the time i was like i can tell uh, how you're feeling kind of based on how you're dressed sometimes you know the way your hair is mm-hmm. the of your polish wh- whatever it is like i'll pay attention to these things and it kind of tells me you know some things about you and you know just genuine conversation and like actually caring yeah you know i, I think is helpful so i, I you know, I guess to kind of answer it, I went through a, a phase of I was making money, but it was just paid work. Like there was no feeling behind the work. Okay. And for me, it was the worst time of my career. Like it was horrible because it was just, you know, okay, money's good, but I didn't like what I was doing. Hmm. So it was kind of hard to get that expression when I was feeling that way. And then I, I stepped back. We had, you know, when COVID first hit, it gave me a much needed break. And now I shoot, I mean, 95% of what I shoot is something I want to shoot. So now it's really easy to, you know, get those connections and just yeah. talking to people. And I mean, you know, and, and it, I think it was her birthday. And we, you know, just through talking and she's a business owner as well. So, I, you know, congratulating and all those things. And, you know, you got those natural smiles. Well, so there's a couple things you mentioned there. One, you talked about how when you genuinely enjoy what you do, naturally setting a, a great environment for the subject, it becomes much, much easier, right? So you're comfortable, you're excited. That energy then translates to your subject. I think that's really important. Um, you also mentioned something else that I'm really curious about. This has been a topic that we've kind of touched on a little bit here and there on the podcast because I'm personally fascinated by it. But when we talk about this idea of caring for our clients, genuinely caring for our clients, it, it's, you know, in, in some ways, it's kind of a cliche thing that we that will say on the fly mm-hmm. as business owners. It's another thing to actually do it. And I'm curious but how you do that intentionally. What does that look like? I I learned through trial and error what I didn't like. Okay. So, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've been full time for two years tomorrow, I think. Oh, that's yes. awesome. Congrats. Yeah. So I I just thought about that. So I think tomorrow will be two years full time. Um, But before, as I was building, I, you know, if I was available and you wanted to pay my fee, I would do it just about. And, you know, but but through that, you I I learned what I, you know, what type of shoots I didn't like. I'm not great with toddlers. So I had to learn that like, oh, okay, no, this isn't I'm not comfortable in, in this type of setting. Mm. So I had to stop, you know, I, I did stop. I stopped doing it. Okay. Um, 
you know, and I still get offers all the time and I'll turn them down or refer them to someone else. But, you know, I think if you, I, I don't want to have that experience where I leave the shoot feeling like I didn't give it my all. So, you know, I, so I just learned to turn away things that I don't, I'm not interested in. Um, and, you know, for me, that just made me so much more, you know, thankful. And I, I go into it because I've typically, and I know, again, my way is different, but I talk to people from the time they book me and sometimes even before then, but, you know, from the time they book me until the day of the shoot, we're in communication. So I know I, I ask a lot of questions. I ask, what are you wearing? You know, what's your vision? And hopefully we can meet in the middle. So that way, I think being prepared is like takes a lot away from like the jitters and, you know, just not feeling comfortable. So yeah. the more prepared I am, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. That's interesting. So, I mean, it seems like we're kind of coming back to that theme of, first of all, if you're, if you're good personally and, and certainly excited about the work that you're doing, that translates to the experience that you're able to provide for the client helping them genuinely feel cared for, uh, because it's coming from a, a good place. You know, like if we're not, it's, it's kind of wild when we think of, when you think about it a little bit, like how much of our personal lives kind of comes out in the way that we work with others. If we're not in a good place personally, if we're not really stoked about what we're doing, that can interfere with creating a really great experience for that subject or the subjects at hand. And, and so I think that's a really great reminder, honestly, for all of us. What was it that, that you did to clearly establish? I mean, there's so many different options, right, in the photography world, so many different directions that we can go. You've landed on this, this direction that you're really stoked about. How did you do that? Um, because I think a lot of photographers get into photography and they're like, I don't know which direction to go. I like this thing. I like that thing. And then sometimes they'll just kind of do a little bit of everything and that can muddle the brand. How did you land on what you like? Um, for, for me, even, even in the beginning when I did a lot of trade work and, you know, a lot of, of the models were basically at the same point in their journey as I was, you know, we were, we were beginners. So, you know, you were, I was a beginner photographer. They sure. were beginner models. And I always knew that I was into fashion, but trying to figure out how to translate that into, you know, sustainability in a sense. So sometimes what I would do uh, just on my own, I would, if I met a model that, you know, had the look that I was going for, but maybe not the clothing, um, I would thrift, I would, you know, spend my own money yeah. to, to create the look that I wanted to put out. And I think that was, you know, something I was willing to do just because, like I said, I wasn't happy. Like, I'm like, okay, this is, the model's good, but the look could be a lot better. So I just invested in myself and the model to, to create what I wanted the world to see. So kind of back to that trial and error process where you, you try this, you try that, you figure out what, what you like, don't like, and, and that ultimately leads to a kind of an, a style and approach for your photography. Yes. Um, and I think it's important to, to have some inspiration. Yeah. Um, you know, a photographer that you look up to, designers, whoever it is, who, you know, I, I saw a picture and, you know, I, 
I saw a picture on Instagram when I first started shooting and it looked different and I couldn't, I was like, what, it, what about it? It's, it wasn't the edit. It wasn't, it, but what I, what I come to figure out was it was the lighting. And I was like, okay. So I reached out to the photographer, you know, and he was more than like, uh, he more than obliged, like mm. just answering any question that I had. And he used lighting, he used off camera flash in his photos. So for me, I learned off camera flash, honestly, before I learned natural light. Interesting. And, and that was largely because that's what grabbed your attention. You're like, oh, that's really cool. I want to go check that out, learn that technique and try to apply it to my work. Correct. That's really interesting. Okay. Well, I know that we could kind of follow that rabbit trail a long ways because, I mean, choosing a style, again, there's so many options. And of course, every personality is a little bit different. Our interests, our backgrounds, um, our preferences, the the things that that do grab our attention, those that don't, um, it, it can really be tough to make that choice sometimes. But I think the way what you're explaining is a really great place to start for any new photographers listening in which is trial and error. Try this, try that. If you like this thing, great, run with a bit of that, but get rid of the stuff you don't like and and certainly explore those things that are particularly attention grabbing for you. In this case, for you, off-camera lighting, which is the very thing that we're going to talk about here in, in more detail in just a little bit. Before we do though, a couple more questions. Um, free time. This is something that we talk about a lot on the podcast because I think unfortunately in the photography industry, a lot of photographers are missing out on what can be their privilege of having freedom and flexibility as business owners because they're stuck behind their computer working all the time. Is there something in particular that you have worked out for yourself that has helped you have more freedom, more flexibility as a business owner um, where you're able to run your business, but you also have time for the important people in your life and doing things that you enjoy outside of work? Yes. And I'll be honest, COVID helped me in that situation. Really? Um, okay. Yes. So before for, for a very long time, you know, I, and I know like a lot of photographers that, that aren't, that aren't focused on, you know, corporate type of work, then the rest of us are doing just as, you know, pretty much primarily our weekends are, you know, for, for shooting. And it would be, I mean, all day Saturday and Sunday, as long as, you know, as I allowed. Yeah. And, you know, for, for, I have a family, you know, kids and, and, and a significant other that we, you know, we're weekend people and I, and I just did not have the time mm. and you knew it was taking a toll. Um, so for me, COVID helped because, you know, people, unfortunately people were having more time, you know, people were available on Tuesday to do a shoot or, you know, when it just would have been Saturday before. So I've been able to spread my, myself, you know, to spread the days out. And even if it's one shoot a day, that's better than, you know, seven shoots on Saturday, taking up the whole day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so for me, it's been really helpful. Um, and then from there, I've just gotten to a point that Sunday is off limits. Okay. You know, I've just had to, I've had to get to that point, you yeah. know, it's like, nope, no shooting on Sunday. You know, it's a family day, even, even a me day, you know, but I, I just, you have to, you, at some point you have to get it because if not, you know, I've been burned out. So I know how that feels. And this was like the best thing, like I said, God, it's bad that COVID happened, but it was great for me because it made me 
pivot in a sense. Um, so I've I've really flourished really since all of this has happened mm. because I've, you know, balanced it out. And I have a lot of respect for that too, because I mean, this has been a tough time. I, my company got hit super hard because our, our business photographers edit is about editing images for photographers. Photographers weren't shooting. And then if, mm-hmm. and when they started shooting again, they probably didn't have the extra cash to, to spend on editing, uh, or at least mm-hmm. it felt that way. And so, you know, the, the work that we were getting has been quite a bit limited. Um, I've seen this affecting the photography industry as a whole and, man, it can be so easy to kind of get sucked down that hole of, of depression, if you will, seeing our businesses affected the way that they have been. Um, and yet this, this mentality that you're talking about of despite it being a tough situation, leveraging it as an opportunity to make change in your life, make change in your business for the better, massive respect for that. I think that's really impressive. And I mean, ultimately, what do you think the biggest takeaway has been? What, what's the biggest change that you've made for yourself? Has it been this thing about how you manage time or has it been, is there something else? Um, I, how I manage time most definitely. Okay. Um, like, yes, because you know, you're, you're home. And like I said, I mean, everybody's home. Yeah. Every- everybody's home like you know our our kids are you know virtual learning so like the house is full we have a dog everybody <laughs> yeah it's, it's just people here um but yes like just managing that time has been super important because honestly that's probably that was probably my worst thing in ways um and i i just felt like i had to to figure out a way to pivot because if i didn't I would be like a lot of other photographers that I know that were just kind of, and, and maybe are still kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I took the opportunity, like I did a wedding right before the shutdown and I took maybe two, maybe three weeks off once it shut down just to kind of breathe and and think of what my next move would be because I knew things were going to be different. Yeah. Um, so I also, I was thinking, you know, because we were, you know, we we're on a complete lockdown, you know, phase one. And I was like, what am I going to do? You know, once I started to get that itch again. Mm. And and honestly, for me, I was thinking, well, OK, I'm at home. What can I do at home? And I did a complete 360. I started to like try product photography. Mm. And I was like, oh, you can do this from home. I can work at my own pace. Yeah. And you know, and make some mistakes. If I, if it works, don't post, if it works, post it. If it doesn't work, don't post it. <laughs> yep. You know? And so that kind of gave me like a, a refresher. I was like, Oh, okay. You know? And then I saw how difficult product photography is. Sure. Uh, and it's like, Oh, I have a whole nother respect for, for product photographers. Cause it, you know, a lot of times it takes so much equipment to to do it so you know so but for me that was that was it i just had to find a way to i guess not go under and and keep myself relevant while not you know sacrificing you know my health trying to just go out and shoot when i know i shouldn't be shooting well and you mentioned that that photographers can get stuck it can be easy for them to get stuck and it reminds me of something that i i I ride motorcycles it's one of the things that i like to do for fun and one of the things that i've learned particularly going to the racetrack and riding motorcycles on the track um, is that you can't target fixate right there's a it's easy for us in the moment especially if you're riding a motorcycle 
to maybe temporarily get scared in the split second and to fixate on this thing that you're worried about running into or running over or you know hitting that that curve in the wrong way and and we just uber focus on that thing and the and the problem with that then is that we miss what's going on ahead and as a result it can actually cause us to crash and, yes. and so what you'll hear from instructors or experienced riders is don't target fixate not only that um, make sure that you keep a broad field of vision uh, because the reality is, you know, I mean, if you if you look at the human body and the way that we that we see things, we have, I think, what amounts to about a hundred and eighty degree field of view. And if we, it, it's very easy in in a moment where we're freaking out to to get fixated and have a super narrow field of view, and and we miss what's going on around us, and as you pointed out, the opportunities that are around us. So, what's good for us, not just in motorcycle riding, but also as photography business owners, is to avoid fixation on the thing in the moment that's kind of freaking us out to continue to look ahead and make sure that we keep that broad vision because it's going to enable us, as you pointed out, to be able to pivot. And that's, that's so, so important as, as business owners, if we get stuck, if we get rigid, um, that, that puts us in a really bad spot to be able to grow a scalable, scalable business over the long run. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. I I feel like, uh, you know, some, some photographers, you know, I think took for granted or not necessarily knowing what effect COVID was going to have. Sure. Um, and I just, I, you know, I was like, when it shut down completely, I was like, okay. Um, and, and for me, April, I missed out, you know, on a lot of money. I had, I think four weddings, maybe 10 or 11 senior shoots wow. that all, you know, that like, Hey, we're going to have to, you know, reschedule like weddings were like, okay, we're going to, you know, pretty much now, Hey, we're, it's going to be at least 2021 before we do some of these things. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is money that most of us are are counting on. Right. So, you know, I, I didn't have time to, like you said, worry about to get fixated on the bad. It's like, okay, what, what can I do? What other services can I offer to to get some type of cash flow? You know, and still be I guess as close to worthwhile as as possible. Hmm. So you know, it was just I think you know I have I have business degrees, so that's how I was thinking first instead of necessarily like yeah I want to shoot, but you know like I have a business to run and a family to support and you had to just think of ways that you were able to to kind of come up come out of it you know and yes so that was that's definitely important well again it's a great reminder for all of us and I appreciate you sharing that that we need to stay flexible be open to the possibility of of pivoting adjusting and um, that will enable us to to build a business for the long run um you know along the lines of time management we talk quite a bit about the idea of delegation or outsourcing um, on the podcast as well. And and not just because I own an editing company, but you know, I mean, when we talk about delegation, it's applicable to editing or album design, accounting work, administrative tasks, and the list goes on. I mean, you can have a second shooter helping manage gear. Uh, so many different ways that we can delegate some of our business to someone else or to a different entity for the sake of saving time. Is this something yep. that you've experimented with? What's your experience been like with this idea of delegation? It's, I mean, once you are at a point that you're able to do that, that is the best feeling in the world. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it is. I, I feel like a lot of 
And 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 for me, I think it was difficult because, I, I, and I think a lot of us, especially if you come into it alone and you learn a lot of these, if you're self-taught, then you're even more, I'll say, you're even more protective of of your craft. Yeah. So trying to find like-minded people that work on your, I guess, on kind of your same energy and your timing and all that is like that that's really hard um and i and i had trial and error with that as well you know mm-hmm. like you you're excited to to collaborate and 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 work with you know other talented people just based off of what you may see on social media um but then once you work together you may find that your styles are completely different in the way that you work doesn't mesh you know so i think when you find those things like you hold on for dear life because it's, <laughs> cause it's really it's really it's not easy you know so I, I think that is that's one of those things like yeah i've i found a very small group of people that we work together on on everything hmm. and that is that they're, they're they're invaluable yeah, but it is an investment. You're right. It's it's not an easy thing. And it does take time, not only investing in the process of finding the right people who do vibe with whatever it is that, that you're wanting to, to get done as a photographer, as a business owner, but um, but then it there's an investment in time and learning how to communicate and being able to read each other a little bit more effectively. And, and uh, as a result, then being able to produce a great final product or final experience for the client. And that's super important. And I, I think that in of itself is a really great reminder for all of our listeners when it comes to this idea of delegation. It is a process. You have to be okay with that. On the other side of that process, investing some time into those relationships is a, a pretty significant path and time and potentially growth in business as well, but is a process. And, and being okay with that and kind of just going with that flow is, is really important. So again, I appreciate your reminder, Dre, but let me ask you one more question before we get into strobe lighting and the way that you approach this particular shoot. Um, an impactful business or self-help book that you've read or listened to that you would recommend to our listeners? I am a firm believer in the you know rich dad, poor dad. Yeah, That's one of those. I need to do better at when, like I said, my my major flaw is time management sometimes um, and making time for, I guess, enhancements. So, you know, things that are going to better, you know, me as a person, a father, you know, the photographer, that, that'll kind of come, I guess. Sure. But that's, I think Rich Dad Poor Dad is just one of those, you know, classics. But I do want to find more time to, to, to read. And, you know, I just, I just have to make that time because I, I, I don't like, and I'm, I'm horrible at that. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely feel you though. I, there, I have bought endless books for my Kindle and I'm like, man, that, that seems like such a great book. So I go ahead and get that. And then another one pops up at some point. Somebody recommends it, you know, that's podcast or otherwise I get that one and I keep adding them, but then I'm not reading consistently enough to actually get through the library. And I just keep adding more to the library. So I, I absolutely feel your pain, but rich dad, poor dad is a classic. And for anybody that's not read that book, it's a really interesting kind of introduction to a different mentality about wealth development. Um, I read it years ago as well. In fact, this is really weird memory. Like, you know, sometimes you have these weird, very, very specific memories. I can't remember something that happened yesterday, but this happened years ago. I think I actually, I either finished reading that book or I was reading that book when I was sitting in a courtroom. I don't remember if I was having to go to court or I was there for someone else or what was going on. But for some reason, I was reading that that book in a courtroom and I'd taken it with me. Nonetheless, 
Um, highly recommend the book for anybody listening and who's not read that book before. We'll link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And, and a little side note here for everybody listening too, Haley, who produces our show, has put together a really cool resource. If you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H, bookshelf.com, the most popular books that have been mentioned here on the podcast and you know, 450 episodes or so uh, now, you can see those books at bocabookshelf.com. So go check those out. They're categorized and organized. Link to them on Amazon where you can go get a copy. And um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is certainly a good one. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Let's jump to the main topic though, Dre. And, and uh, again, just to reiterate, I, I was super impressed by your management of light for this particular shoot that we're going to be talking about. And um, with Dre's uh, permission that he gave us earlier, we're going to, we're going to get these images. We'll put them in the show notes at bocapodcast.com underneath this episode. Uh, for anybody listening in, make sure that at some point, if you're driving right now, don't do it right now, but, but make sure that you go take a look at these images. So you have context to the conversation at hand, because we're going to be specifically talking about how Dre managed the shoot, the lighting for this shoot. It's, it's just so beautifully done. The balance is incredible, but to start off, Dre, before we get into the technical side of things, talk to me about your intention and in, in developing your off-camera lighting skills. I know that you said you were initially inspired by this one particular photographer. How long ago was that? And, and just to kind of briefly describe this process of developing your lighting skills over time. So I probably had a camera two or three months at the time. Okay. And it wasn't even, I mean with not with the intention on becoming a photographer. It was just, you know, I was working in corporate America. It was one to just have a hobby. And I bought a camera, Instagram and Facebook. And I, like I said, I would just kind of look at locals and, you know, kind of see what was going on. And I, I saw a picture and I was like, all right. And I reached out and the next morning he said, are you free for coffee? Whoa, cool. <laughs> so yeah so I, I was like i will be there with you know bells on and <laughs> he i mean he like i said he he broke it down to me in a in a way that i'm one of those i like to and i'm with every aspect i have to see things you can tell me i can understand but for me to see it mm. is is everything yep. so i mean he invited me I was basically his assistant from from that day forward. And I went with him on shoots probably four or five days a week. And I just watched and paid attention, you know, as I'm moving lights and kind of watching how he interacted with, with the client. So for, for me, it was, I think what I learned most from him was to see the shot that you're trying to take instead of just taking pictures and hoping for the best and, you know, like having intent with every shot that you take. And that was, I think that's what I, I, I still use that mindset to this day. That's interesting. So that idea of kind of pre-visual, pre-visualization where you're thinking about it, uh, you've got this, this image, this virtual image in your mind of what that final product should be starting there and then trying to figure out how to make that happen. How to make it happen. Yes. That's cool. Okay. Well, I mean, if, if this, shoot that these images that that uh, I got to see were pre-visualized it's kind of interesting to think about your approach to that that you actually had an idea ahead of time this is what you were going for you know intentionality is it's I've realized as I continue to get older I'm 41 now 
um, the significance of it. Um, there's a certain part of me that is structured and organized, and and there's another part of me that just kind of lets things happen. And I've realized more and more that the more I just kind of, quote, let things happen, especially when it involves other people and companies and businesses, um, I tend to miss out on opportunities. Being intentional, even when it comes to a shoot, has a pretty significant payoff. What does that pre-visualization process look like for you? I mean, do you have a kind of a routine that you come up with? What does it look like? Uh, yes. I mean, it's for, for me, I mean, sometimes it's creating a mood board, you know, sometimes even in Pinterest, I, like I'll, I'll use, I use Pinterest. So I, I may, you know, kind of get the, the concept together, create a mood board. Also just so, and, and I'm in constant, again, in constant communication with the model or, or the client. So I'm bouncing ideas. They're kind of telling me what they think and the, their, their outfits and all these other things. Okay. And then from, from there, once we have that down, I'm looking for locations. And, and, and I think, like you said, like I'm, I'm getting old too. I'm, I'll be 40 in February. So <laughs> Hey, that's not old. We're just getting older. <laughs> I'm, I'm right. I'm right with you. So an important thing that I think I've, I've learned is I used to try to just whatever time of day, like, okay, yes, we can do it at noon. And you learn that there is really, you know, times of the day to achieve, you know, certain, certain light. And I've had to learn that through, again, through trial and error. So that one was the, she literally told me that she said, I can do a sunrise shoot. I was like, yeah, right. Because I don't, I'm, I'm really hard on models. So I just have to know how serious you are because, you know, this was, this was a 545 in the morning shoot. Oof, yeah. Yes. So, you know, I threw out like the, like that morning, I threw out like a feeler text at you know, 5am, like, Hey, good morning. And I was like, okay, maybe she'll respond. Maybe she won't. And she responded. <laughs> yeah. If she and doesn't like, respond, oh. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> Well, I'm going back to bed and she responded and I was like, Oh, okay. And I mean, she was there. And I mean, and we, I mean, we got lucky. The light was absolutely, the sunrise was beautiful and you know, it just, it it just worked out. And I mean, those pictures took 30 minutes. Wow. And, and that, I think, I mean, first of all, there is a certain uh, limitation on your time. If you're talking about trying to utilize a sunset, so you know that going into it, but to your earlier point, planning, being intentional about what it is you're trying to accomplish enables you to be able to move efficiently through that shoot, get the shots and be done. And, um, I think that's a really, really great reminder for all of us as photographers, whatever type of work that we're doing. Uh, but let's get into the technical side of this this shoot. First of all, talk to me about your your go to strobe. What what is that strobe, and why is this your choice? So my go to is the Godox or Flashpoint, whichever you use. Um, the the eighty the Explorer six hundred. Okay. Um, it is my absolute go to um, because it's powerful. You know enough to overpower the sun, as as we say, and the battery lasts. So it's you know it's cordless, so it just has a battery connected to it okay. that lasts all day long. So you know that I just you know that one I can take that one light and do almost everything I need to do, especially on location. I can do pretty much anything that I need with you know with one light. So that is that is my absolute go to strobe. And when you talk about the battery. It, 
I'm assuming you have to charge that battery. How long does it take to charge it up? It probably takes an hour and a half, two hours. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. And the Godox line is, is relatively affordable too, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, and that it's, I, I started with uh, alien bees okay. and like they have, they have cords and you need some type of power source to, if you're using on location, you need a power source to, you know, to plug them into. And it was excruciating carrying all this stuff. And, and and this is, like I said, early on with no assistant, no help, just me. So, I mean, it was terrible trying to lug all this stuff, you know, to, to shoots in the summer outside back to back. It was just horrible. And then like the Godox line came and it was affordable. Yeah. And like I said, the entire line is, is really, really great. Um, and I've been with them now probably two and a half, three years. And do you tend to use just that single light or do you have, do you bring multiple lights on location? What does that process look like? I'm what I try to do now, if I know I have some help, then yes, I'm bringing everything. But if it's just me, a lot of the times it is literally just one light and, you know, where possible using, you know, the sun as a second light. Right. And, and then just adjusting the, the power of the light, depending mm-hmm. on whether you want the sun to be the main or, or the secondary light, correct? That's it. You just, you make, you make your adjustments. But again, to me, it is all about, you know, what shot you're trying to create. We, we get stuck in these rules and I'm a firm believer of there's certain photography rules that are, are meant to be broken and it's your style. Now you can you may be able to do it an easier way, but you know, but it's it's not necessarily right or wrong. Um, and of course, at the end of the day, it's completely subjective. Some people are going to like it and love it, and then some people it's not for them. Sure. So you just have to, you know get to a point that that you're comfortable with with the outcome. So you you've mentioned the significance, or, or really discussed at length now, the significance of planning and being intentional going into a shoot. Um, what did that plan planning process look like for this particular session? You, you knew you wanted to do a, a sunrise shoot, but outside of that, what kind of details were you looking for? What, what was the vibe that you were going for? Can you explain the, explain the planning process for this particular shoot? Yes. Um, what we were going for, like I said, yes, of course it was, you know, the sunrise shoot, but it was also, the colors. So, I mean, yeah, we wanted, you know, those, those oranges and what, what I was noticing, cause every day I'm up, my, my dog is up at 6am, 5.36. Okay. And so, so every morning when I would take them out, I would see, you know, the skyline and the horizon. So I would see purples and oranges and I'm like, man, this would be a great time to shoot, but I don't think I can trust anyone enough to make it for, for this time. And, you know, every day I see this, but I just would never reach out. And then, you know, she said, Hey, like I'm available for sunrise. Like I'm always up. I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. We'll, we'll see. Um, but I made it a really simple concept just so if it, if she didn't show, we don't have this huge team of people, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> so I was like, this is kind of like a test, yeah. you know, yeah. like I'd pretty much be up anyway or, or close to being up. But so I'd be OK if she doesn't show. But like to have a team of people, would that would kind of be a little, a little disheartening. So I was like, you know, let's do something really simple um, and kind of that beach vibe. And anyone who's from Nashville, uh, it's at Percy Priest. And, and by no means is Percy Priest a nice looking lake. <laughs> like by no means, like no, in no way is it nice. But if you, you know, learn to like, I just found a nice spot and with the sunrise, I mean, you would think you were on, you know, like some nice resort or a beach or something, but you were literally just at this lake that looks terrible. And yet the way that you made these images look, I mean, I would, that's the last thing that I would have thought when I'm looking <laughs> at those, it's, it's, they're just stunning. And again, for everybody listening in, if you haven't looked at them yet, go to the show notes, we'll, we'll have these images in the show notes so you can kind of follow along because I, I want to get into a bit more of the technical here, the placement of the lighting for these images uh, and, and the way that I, I actually grabbed a screenshot from that post that you did in, in the community. Um, for those of you listening in, you'll be able to see each of these images individually, but there's the, the image that I'm looking at first is, is one of her kind of raising her arm up and, and the water is kind of falling off of her arm. Uh, then there's another one where she's looking kind of toward in, in the direction of the sun. There's another one where she's laying down. And then there's another one where she's looking directly at the camera. The sun's behind her. It's a really wonderful variety, by the way. I, I like that that you incorporate variety. It's not just kind of a version of the same thing all the way through. But how did you determine, and let's actually walk through each of these. How did you determine the, the placement of the lighting for each of those? What was the thought process for each? Um. Well, typically, I'm... You know, in, in that instant, you know, you have the, the sun or you know, yeah, the sun's coming up. So you have the sun that's going to backlight her. And then I'm just thinking of what parts of her that I really want to, to showcase. OK, um, so that's typically, you know, where I go with each shot. I, I was like, where do I want this light to hit? And that's pretty much, you know, that's usually just my way. You know, that's literally what I'm looking at every time. It's like, okay, I want, you know, a little shadow here. Let me feather a little bit. Yeah. Uh, or again, let me light her whole body, you know, but I, and I use pretty big modifiers. So, you know, it's typically going to be that entire body is going to be, you know, lit up because I'm thinking from, a fashion perspective. Okay. So the, you know, the clothing and those details are important to me. So I'm trying to get all of that into the frame. Um, so I, I need something, a, a large modifier to, to, you know, I guess show all of that off. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I do. I, you know, I, I think of where I want the light to hit her, you know, and so I move it and, and models will tell you that I make it, fairly easy because I do a lot of moving and you know they get into a pose and I'm like hold it and then I will adjust instead of them necessarily having to do a lot of moving that's nice and, um, yeah so I I do you know I, I get my workout on um because <laughs> yeah I'm constantly you know for for one for one shot you know or for one pose I will probably get in four or five different 
positions and shoot just to see which one I like the most. That's great. Well, and, and so take me to each of these images. We talk about the placement of the light. Um, so the first one I'm looking at is again, the, the one where she's got her arm raised up and, and I, it's very, I mean, your plate, the placement of the light seems extremely intentional to play on this theme in our conversation. And I love that. In this case, it seems to be um, maybe at a 50 to 60 degree angle to the right. Um, and, and it's a very subtle light. So is, is that about right as far as the placement of that light's concerned? That's, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. I, you know, when I was, when I was learning what I guess my homework was, was to try to figure out the light placement of, you know, anybody's work. It was like, okay. Yeah. So that was, so that was the work that, that was the homework that was given to me. That's cool. Like, hey, like, hey look at this picture. Tell me where the light is coming from. Yep. You know, if, if you can possibly tell me, you know, what type of modifier, um, but definitely the the placement, you know, of, of the light. So that was, like I said, that was, I learned that really early and, you know, I got, I guess I got good at it because that's like, I, that's just what I think of. I'm just always trying to think of, you know, how to do it as efficiently as possible. Like not necessarily wanting to have to bring out multiple lights if I don't have to, um, but I will, but usually it's one light and then the sun as, you know, as, as another. And then the image where she's on the right-hand side, looking toward the middle of the, the frame where the sun is, is that a, just kind of a soft fill light there, a more even fill light? Yes. I, you know, and it was more of, because again, you know, you're dealing with a, a, a decently, you know, powerful strobe. So it may be, you know, me dialing back the power. It may be, and I also, you know, shoot in high-speed sync a lot to, okay. to kind of, to get that mood and then I add my light. So I kind of set the mood with with the high speed sync, with my settings, with my shutter speed, and then, okay, let me just add that kick of light in here to really, you know, balance it off. When you say setting the mood with high speed sync, can you explain what you mean? Yes, so it's, you know, going past your camera's normal shutter speed, you know, the 250 of a second, 320, yeah. I think. And, you know, making it where it's going to become a lot, I'd say, I'd say darker okay. before you add your light. Yeah. Um, so I may take mine down two or three stops, you know, to where it's, it's kind of dark and moody. And then I kick that light in there to usually illuminate the face or, you know, or the whole body, whichever one I'm, you know, going forth at the time. And speaking of the whole body, the image where she's laying down, there's a lot more of her body in that image. Um, is that, again, kind of a, a subtle fill light from the top? Or how did you have the light angled there? Yes. In a perfect world, it you know, you people may have a ladder or something else. But I just, I mean, I think I probably had, for that shot, I probably had my 24 to 70. So, you know, to get the whole body in frame. And I just literally stood over her and had the light, you know, just like kick over her whole body. And, you know, and that was, it, it was, it was pretty simple as far as the lighting, just getting the shot to look how I wanted it to look, 
you know, from a composition standpoint was a little, you know, it's like, oh, I got to stand over you, you know, to get this shot. But, you know, but it came out really well. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, it's just beautiful. And we're going to get into the the subtlety and the technicality of how you're setting your light here in just a second, because I'm it's one of the things that stands out about me or it stands out to me about this shoot is you're not just like blaring the light at this person, just, you know, launching all kinds of light. It's, it's super, super subtle. And the way you balance it with the sunlight, I think is really impressive, but just to finish off the, the final image here of these four that I'm seeing um, where she's looking directly at the camera, the, the, the sun is in the middle of the image directly behind her. It looks mm-hmm. like you used a, a, the, the light itself seems to be in a pretty central location, what would probably mm-hmm. traditionally be called Rembrandt lighting, and that it's up just slightly high enough where she's getting a slight shadow underneath her nose. Is that roughly the setup there? Correct. Um, it is, I, I think for this one, and, it, and this is probably one of the last photos, um, you know, I try to work smarter and you know if you're going to have to you know get on the ground or get in the water like we're going to save these for you know the last one so um this is probably one of the last ones that i took but yes i mean i had the light i'm thinking maybe over my left shoulder just a little bit because again it's just her and i and we're in like this rocky you know close to the water but it's like you know a lot of like rocks and sand then so it's like you're trying to be careful but i'm the whole time i'm thinking please don't let this light fall you know (laughs) (laughs) that's all i was thinking i was like oh my gosh but yeah it was probably maybe over my left shoulder um but yeah it was i mean i i I guess it's with me it's become second nature and anyone who's learning uh, again it just i say be intentional and just kind of know what you want the shot to look like. And, you know, if that means taking a few tests before and, you know, making adjustments from there, um, that's to me, that's a good way to do it as well. Like, Hey, this isn't, you know, hitting how I want, or maybe I'm, my light is too harsh or, or whatever it is, you know, you just, you take those shots and then, you know, check your work. Even, even once I'm, I think I'm, I've got my settings correct. Every, few shots I'm looking, you know, just to make sure, like, because I'm trying to get as much right in camera as possible, you know, so it's not as much work in post. And and that's a great segue to my last question. As we finish up here, the, the settings for the light, I know this is a loaded conversation. We could probably spend a whole hour on at least, but um, I, just, if you were to sum it up and, and we have, um, and, and we were to assume that, that many of our listeners are relatively new that the idea, the technical side of, of an off-camera light and setting that in conjunction with the camera maybe is a bit of a new concept. How would you explain the way that you're coming to these settings? Is it, I mean, is it as simple as just setting in a setting, take a, a take a snapshot, a test shot, see what it looks like and make another adjustment? Or are you also thinking from a technical standpoint about shutter speed, aperture, and uh, f-stop for the light? Yes. Um, it, and and like you said, it, it is loaded, but to make it as easy as possible on, I didn't learn it in some technical mathematical way. <laughs> okay. It wasn't, no, it wasn't, it wasn't physics or geometry or, or <laughs> it was, you know, you kind of, you, you just go, but I, what I try to do is first, like, yes, it is important if I'm going to teach you, then I'm going to teach you the right way. Hmm. So, so yes. So it is important to know 
your shutter speed, your aperture, all those things, because the better you have those settings, the less power you'll have to use for your light. And and that's one of those things like, you know, that I, even I had to learn like, oh, okay, you know, I used my, I could use my light. If I set my settings right, my, the power on my strobe can be a lot lower than if I'm just trying to just messing around, just tinkering, um, you know, I could use my, my strobe at one thirty second of, of the power other rather than it being at full power or fourth or, you know, so I'm, I'm rarely ever that low on my, on my power. If I, if I've got my, 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 uh, my settings, right. Um, so yes, I, I do, I kind of, but you, again, you have to know what you're going for. Do you want to blur the background? Do you want everything to be in focus? Like all those things are going to, you know, make a big difference. And, you know, I, I still make that mistake every so often if because we all like that again like like the podcast we, we, we love the bokeh so we get I, I used to get stuck in that and now i you know had to learn to kind of get away from it a little bit but understanding how to adjust the settings i mean you talked about earlier using that high-speed sync in order to kind of minimize the ambient light if you're going to mm-hmm. do that now you've got to open up the aperture a little bit which naturally gives you that that subtle bokeh in the background um mm-hmm. and then you've got to match the light the settings for the light, the power settings for the light based on the camera settings. Um, it, it does sound like a lot of kind of trial and error leads you to a place where you're able to make those ultimately be able to make those adjustments on the fly pretty easily. Right. Yes. Um, and, and I think another, another big thing is, you know, having the right modifier because, hmm. you know, that, that to me, that plays a really big role. Um, because, like I, like you said, sometimes we we just see something. In the beginning, I would see something, and then I go buy a piece of equipment just because I, you know, oh he has this, let me go get it. And you, without knowing really what each modifier is for, then you end up using you know one modifier for every situation, and then you're wondering why the results are what they are. <laughs> yeah. You no. Know, and I, I, and I had to learn that. So, um, but yes, like learning, you know, to me, that is like really like a big thing to know, because I think even in my journey, I think at a point my lighting was really harsh and not, and not balanced. And that was, I think along my journey, that's what I've learned, you know, how to, to make it like, yes, you may know it's with the strobe, but it's not so, you know, harsh looking yes. that is like completely obvious. It's funny that you're talking about the significance of being subtle in your lighting. Cause in, just in general, I think in our world right now in 2020, we need nuance. Um, the last thing that we need is, is when we look at an image for that, um, unless of course that's the artist's intention the last thing that we need is, is light just glaring in our faces. I mean, the, the, again, part of what captured my attention so much with these images was the subtlety of it, the nuance of it. It was that light, that light is just kind of softly kissing the subject. It's, it's just beautiful, the subtlety of it. And a really great example of, I mean, your technical ability, you mentioned the modifier and, and in that post, you, you mentioned using the easy lock Octavox, a 48 inch. So you've got a pretty good size modifier. That's really softening that light, which again, encourages that subtlety. It's just beautifully done. Look, thank you. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, if 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 you have, I think a lot of it could be achieved if you have 
an assistant and uh like for that for this particular set i I feel like if if i had an assistant and uh, a reflector like I, i feel like you know an assistant with a reflector could give you, you know, possibly giving me that same hmm. look. Sure. You know, but yes, but I, I didn't have one and, you know, I did have my lights. So that was the way that I, that I went, but yeah, I mean, you just, it, it's, it's really, I, I think like anything else, it's what you get in, what you get out of it is what you put into it. Sure. I I've still today, I'm still not, completely satisfied there's still you know further that I want to go and it it was always that way like I never at my I guess at my peak it's still like hey I want to you know go further I want to learn a couple of different techniques and you know different styles of of lighting it, it is a good feeling that people know when it's my lighting like oh I do by the lighting or I knew by the angle that it was that that was you and and that's awesome but sometimes I kind of want to do something different and, and surprise you. So, you know, all of that, it, I mean, we get known for our styles and our work, but I like to, to be versatile and because sometimes people are going to want something, you know, different. And, I, you know, I try to pride myself on that. Well, and, and that sums up our conversation beautifully. You definitely brought something different and it's beautiful work. And again, we'll put those images in the show notes, bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in. You can go see those images, look at them, kind of follow along in the conversation as you're able to use those images as reference. And uh, Dre, I just really appreciate you, first of all, just being willing to have a conversation um, and, and then ultimately sharing your experience and your perspective and your wisdom on this topic. Will you just remind our listeners not only where they can find you on, on social media again, but also mention your website as well so that they can see your work. Uh, yes. Instagram is, you know, most of my creative work. Um, it is brown615 underscore photography. And my website is www.drebrown.com. Perfect. And we're going to put those in the, both of those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. For everybody listening in, make sure you take advantage of the show notes. Um, they are quite a wealth of information. We've got so many episodes worth of show notes, the talking points and the resources uh, that we mentioned. So make sure you take advantage, particularly today with these beautiful images. Thanks once again, Dre, for making time for all of us. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, this was definitely a, a great experience. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.